0: Welcome to the Milestone to Manhood podcast. We are David and Stephen Arms. The Milestone to Manhood podcast is all about helping fathers organize a rite of passage event for their 13-year-old sons. Today, we're going to talk about a rite of passage in hindsight, kind of looking in the rearview mirror. We're going to give our listeners an overview of what the weekend was like and talk about its impact afterwards in a real-life scenario. And what better way to do that than have Stephen, my son, give a first-hand account of his rite of passage weekend. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing great. How about you, Dad? I am finer than a frog hair split four ways.
1: Let's get started. Yeah, that's pretty fine. <laughs> that's pretty fine.
0: All right, Steve, Let me. let's get right into this. Tell me, what was your first memory of the weekend?
1: My first memory of my rite of passage weekend was probably the night before. I remember we it was a Friday night. We went out to Rainbow Pizza in San Mateo, which is kind of was our kind of our family spot growing up. And I remember you sitting at the end of the table and asking me to come over to you and you were sitting next to mom and you said, "Steve, you know, your 13th birthday is coming up. Um, how about you and I just go away for a weekend trip, a weekend camping trip, just you and me? And that's kind of how you invited me on the rite of passage trip was you told me that it was going to be a camping trip between just the two of us. I remember feeling not super enthusiastic about it. I think, you know, being that age, being 13 years old, um, not really excited about Spending one-on-one time with my dad, I think I would have preferred to stay home and watch cartoons on Saturday morning rather than go camping. But I remember saying, yes, I'm on board. Um, That's something that you wanted to do. Then I'm down for it too. So that's probably my first memory of kind of how the whole thing, the whole weekend got started. Well, that's good. It sounds like actually, um, you know,
0: you confiding that you weren't completely excited about it kind of leads to what the whole weekend's about, and that is you kind of made a bit of a sacrifice in that you went along with it, even though we weren't really too sure how it was going to go. Um, So I I, I was proud that you did that. But So that was kind of the invitation. Let's kind of pick up how the weekend really went when we started from like day one.
1: So Saturday morning, I don't know, we woke up seven, seven o'clock, we're on the road by eight, and we got in the car and you said, I need to stop by Bobo's house, uh my grandfather's house to pick up I think it was like a tent or something. Um some sort of camping gear that you said you needed to pick up from Bobo's house and that wasn't too um out of the ordinary because uh Bobo and Grammy live just I don't know 5 miles if that 3 miles from the house that I grew up in. Um so we went, we would go over there all the time. So the fact that you said I just need to swing by Grandpa's real quick. wasn't too much of a shocker for me. So we go to Grandpa's house. We get out of the car, and Bobo is there on his porch, and kind of like mosey on over, mope over to the house, and he says, "What are you guys doing today?" And I said, "Well, my dad and I are going camping this weekend. I'm not really sure where we're going." And Bobo was like, "Wow, that, that sounds..." like a lot of fun. I really can I go? And I remember kind of jokingly saying like yeah, you can come. I'm you know, my dad he was pretty clear last night that it was just going to be me and him, but you know, I had a really close relationship with Bobo and so the idea of having him come along on our trip um sounded good to me because it was like, well, it would get me out of a one-on-one weekend with dad, right? So um I kind of jokingly said you, said sure yeah you can come along and he actually he so then he picks up a bag from behind kind of their stone wall there and he's like cool where do i put my bag he had pre pre packed he knew exactly what he was going to say when i got there and he just threw his bag in and jumped in the car with us and so did you make that connection at that point that hey something's going on here
0: because why is he ready to go? Or were you still like, Oh, you know, it's a bit of a surprise that he's coming with us.
1: No, I still thought we were going camping. I didn't, I had no idea what was going on. I thought we were just going camping and it was just going to be the three of us. Okay, great. So then we continue to drive across the Bay bridge and stop in Alamo, um, which, you know, I have, a. Uh, cousins that live out there and it was about breakfast time so either you or Bobo had the suggestion that we stop for breakfast and we pull over to this little diner spot that you said you liked we get out of the car and i noticed when we were standing outside the restaurant that there were these people holding up their menus against the window so that we couldn't see into their booth and then we go in the wait the waitress sat us immediately And as she's walking us to the the booth, I look over and there's my two uncles, uncle Dan and uncle Kirk sitting in the booth, like right next to us. And I think that was like the moment where I was like, okay, something's definitely up here now because why are my two uncles here too? And that's, at that breakfast, we so we sit in the booth with the uncles. You know, they're laughing. I have no idea what's going on. Um, I'm just like a deer in the headlights. I think Bobo picked up on that, like the confusion, just at peak level at that moment. Bobo picked up on that, and that's when he explained, you know, this actually isn't a camping trip one-on-one with your dad, but this is your rite of passage weekend. He said something along the lines of, just keep an open mind for this weekend. I know we've surprised you already, but the purpose of this weekend is now that you're turning 13, we want to welcome you into manhood because at the end of this weekend, you're going to be considered to be a man in this family just like us.
0: Yeah, he was very good at um, kind of analyzing the situation and, you know, taking away any stress or inhibition or anxiety um that he just naturally was good at that, so yeah, I'm glad that he was he was able to do that all right, so we finished breakfast we're about to get in the cars and w- what happens?
1: okay, so I forgot about this part um so we get we finish breakfast we're about to go back in the cars um I immediately start going for the back seat, and you told me, hold up. You're actually, because this weekend is all about initiating you into manhood, you're going to sit shotgun, you're going to sit in the front. And part of becoming a man is fulfilling a leadership role and making decisions that are not just going to affect you, but are going to affect other people. And so it's your task, now that you're becoming a man, to pick, who, see, who sits in each spot in the car. So I think I picked you to drive because it was your car. I sat shotgun because you told me I was going to sit shotgun. I picked Dan, Uncle Dan, and Bobo to see, sit in the second row. And then we were driving the Suburban, so I told Uncle Kirk that he had to in the in the third row because he was the shortest guy. So logically, that made sense to me. So that's kind of how I um, tackled that situation. Great. Those were, that was some
0: good decision-making for a young man.
1: <laughs> okay. So we're now we're arranged in the vehicle. We start driving up and where's your destination? So we drove up to Lake Shasta, which is the very Northern end of California. It's, I don't know, three or four hours from the Bay area. Um, I don't remember a ton about the drive up, nothing too mind blowing during the drive. Um, I just remember, you know, just spending time with the guys and, you know, especially, you know, Uncle Kirk, who is from the Los Angeles, Southern California area. So didn't get to see him a ton. So just kind of spending that low pressure time in the car with them on the way up to Lake Shasta. And then we get to the lake and uh, Uncle Dan, his family has a, a cabin there at Lake Shasta. What's really cool about the Sampson's cabin is that you can't actually get there all the way by car. You have to take a boat.
0: So what happened between um, transitioning from the Suburban to the boat to the cabin?
1: Uh, Before we entered the cabin, we went fishing. And I don't think you were actually on the boat. I, I don't think you or maybe not even Bobo was on the boat because it was a smaller one and you have to have room to stand up and move around. So if I remember correctly, it was just Uncle Dan and Uncle Kirk that took me fishing. And we were probably out on the water for an hour or two. And you know, Uncle Dan is a really good fisherman. He had all the rods set up and all the tackle figured out beforehand. In fact, I think he actually caught the first fish. He got the fish in the line and then handed me the pole and said, Here, reel, reel this in. So that's kind of how I caught the first fish was. He did all the work, and I just had to reel it. So that was the um, the fun activity beforehand. Then we took our fish and the rest of our gear and hiked up to the cabin. And I would say that's when the rite of passage really began. Was after the whole fishing activity. Okay, so
0: you finished this um, fun activity, which in your case was fishing, and obviously that's not going to go well with everybody. In fact, every rite of passage that we've conducted for our family that fun activity before actually formally starting the rituals for the rite of passage was a different event for each young man depending on what his interests were but we knew that you had expressed an interest in fishing uh, specifically with uncle dan in the past so we thought that was going to be a be a hit with you um and looking back on it i think i think that was a good choice for us okay so we're um We've parked the boat. It's in the dock, and we've hiked. We're hiking up to the cabin.
1: Do we just uh, walk into the cabin, and or what? What happens next? So that's when you told me that the rite of passage was going to officially begin, and we were going to start the rite of passage with an entrance ceremony. You read a passage out of the Bible from the book of Exodus. It's the story of. Moses encountering God in the form of the burning bush. You also laid down some ground rules, and the ground rules were once you enter the cabin for the weekend, you weren't gonna leave the cabin because we were there for one reason, and that was to initiate me into manhood. The second ground rule was that uh we were not gonna wear our shoes in the cabin. We were just gonna go either barefoot or in our socks. And I remember you explaining that, you know, just as Moses, when he sees the burning bush, he takes off his sandals in the presence of God, um, that we were also going to take off our boots and uh, leave them outside the cabin. And then actually, that reminds me, so that's maybe the third element of the the entrance ceremony is that once we got into the cabin, it was going to be my job to light a fire you know Moses is encountering God in the form of a burning bush, fire represents the Holy Spirit, it represents God's presence, and so just as Moses encounters God, God is with us too during the weekend, so my job was going to be to light the fire once we get inside the cabin and then to keep that fire going for the rest of the weekend. I think it was right around dinner time, so i I remember you telling me I was going to have to decide who's going to cook dinner, who's going to start unpacking the bags, and who's going to help me make the fire. I think I picked Uncle Dan to help me make the fire because it's his cabin. So I knew he he had all the secrets of how to make it work. Um, and then I can't remember who I picked to cook and to help unpack. But that's kind of how we entered the cabin. So now it's getting to be later in the afternoon, right? And we're
0: starting to being that we're a band of men here, we're starting to get hungry again. So we're starting to think about dinner and uh, it's time for us to give you some more things to decide on, correct?
1: Yeah, I had to decide who's going to cook, who's going to clean. I remember it taking a few minutes for me to think about it. I I remember thinking like this was uh, one of the biggest decisions I've ever had to make before in my life. You know, who's going to cook dinner and who's going to do the dishes after? Because, you know, I mean, here I was, 12 years old, telling these grown men, you know, Bobo was probably in his 60s at the time, telling a 60-year-old, like, what his job is going to be. And I remember being nervous about it. What if the guys don't want to do it? Are they going to push back on me? And I think that's why it took me a few minutes to decide who's going to be the cooks and who's going to do the cleanup. But I think I eventually, I just picked two of you to cook and two of you to clean, and I think it all worked out. So officially you know we started off i would say the first ritual would be
0: that we have this entrance ceremony then we kind of broke and prepared and ate dinner and cleaned up then we kind of went into our next ritual which was a discussion what do you remember about this discussion
1: so the first discussion was a discussion of what it means to be a man and really it was uh each of you for adult grown men sharing with me, uh, some of your stories, some advice, uh, some maybe key principles in your lives that have affected you. I mean, that was a whole hour long conversation in itself. I remember Bobo talking about being a police officer and how that really affected his view on the world. He, I remember him saying that he really valued honesty because of his job as being a police officer people trying to lie from lie to him and hide things from him i remember you talking about being a business owner and taking responsibility for your actions i remember bobo talking about the fact that a man respects the dignity of women at all times and that how that's a really important part of manhood that boys treat women as objects of lust, objects to be used, whereas a man upholds a woman's dignity, but he also upholds his own dignity as well. So those were just briefly some of the advice that was given to me during um, that discussion. I mean, I'll be honest, you know, I'm 32 now, so my rite of passage weekend was 19 years ago. So I have forgotten a lot of the advice that was given to me. And in fact, I'll admit that when we were writing the book, I actually had to use the letters that were given to me later to kind of put that conversation together. Well, we're going to
0: talk about the letters here in a little bit. After we kind of shared what it was to be a man, we took a little bit of a break just to kind of chill, maybe have a little snack or something and just um, transition into our next uh, ritual, which was uh, each of us decided that we would pick a meaningful scripture verse to share with you. So I guess officially we would call that the scripture sharing ritual. What do you remember about that?
1: The scripture sharing exercise was very similar. It was the five of us sitting around in a circle with the fire going. Each, again, each of you talked for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, really the biggest difference is, you know, you started with uh, your favorite scripture passage and then gave a short reflection on the passage Bobo picked the story of the prodigal son, and he gave a really good reflection on it afterwards. And, you know, I I had a rite of passage weekend when I was 13, but I also got to go to the rite of passage weekends for my younger brothers and my younger cousins. So I've been on five of these weekends in total, and all five weekends, Bobo always shared that story of the prodigal son whether it was during my weekend or during one of my younger brothers or cousin's weekend, that story and his reflection was kind of cemented in my mind as a kid growing up as a young man, because I heard it out of his mouth, you know, five times. So that was, he always gave a really beautiful reflection on the story of the prodigal son. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things about
0: the weekend that's uh, so powerful. Uh, Just with that specifically, You know, you'll never forget the reflection that he gave on the parable of the prodigal son. And, you know, moving forward from there, there's been several times throughout the liturgical years that that parable has been preached on. So I know that every time that happens, it brings you back to what happened on your weekend.
1: I remember him asking me, you know, if I identified when he was reading the story, if I saw myself more in the shoes of the older brother or the younger brother? And he said, which one do you identify more with? And I said, well, probably the younger brother, because I have an older brother myself. So I just always identified more easily with the the younger brother. And he said, you know, the thing about this parable is that at different times in your life, you will find yourself in the shoes of all of the characters. So sometimes you will be that younger brother. Sometimes you will more easily relate to the older brother who's jealous. And other times you will relate to the father and how the father felt. And I don't think I really related to the father until I became a father myself when I was 28 years old, you know. And then when I experienced this love that I have for my kids, it's like, Now I understand why he was looking out for his son to return to him because it was like a big hole in his heart. Like you said, every time I hear that story, it just makes me think about Bobo and the Rite of Passage weekend. Just to recap so far,
0: we basically started off by having an entrance ceremony. And then um, you lit a fire. We had prepared some dinner. We had a discussion about what it means to be a man. We had another discussion where each of us shared a scripture with you, and the one that really stood out to you was the reflection that Bobo gave on the prodigal son. So after that, we moved into a new ceremony or a new ritual, and we call that the gifting ritual. What do you remember about that?
1: This was kind of a ritual that was just you, my dad. The other men were not so involved. You know, they were there watching the whole thing happen, but this was only you talking they they weren't talking as opposed to the first two uh discussions and i remember you pulling out a little canister and there were some silver coins in the canister and you said that uh that this point of the rite of passage you were going to give a family heirloom to me now that i was entering into this new chapter of my life um just as in these discussions you were kind of giving me some wisdom that, as a boy, I might not have been ready for, but now that I was becoming a man, you could trust me with this. You were also giving me kind of a physical object that embodied that. Uh, So you gave me a family heirloom, and uh, it was part of the silver coin collection that your dad, Orin had given to you when you were a teenager and you kind of explained how you know because you didn't grow up with your dad in the household you had very few memories of him um you had some letters from him that he had written to you but uh not a lot of ties to your own dad so i could tell that this meant a lot that you were giving something that your dad had given to you now you were giving it to me um so i thought that was really cool and I remember you saying something along the lines of the, the reason that you like coin collecting as a hobby. One reason is that every coin, every mint is different and it's a work of art in itself. And just like every silver dollar, every coin in your collection was unique, so is every child, every human is unique in the eyes of God we are not repeatable that we are beautiful in his eyes and we're highly valuable exactly the other
0: thing that was kind of a joy for me in that particular ritual was i really was confident that you were you were able to you were mature enough now to guard and protect if you will that family heirloom i knew that it was in good hands i could trust you with it and i didn't have to worry about you know, were you going to lose it or anything? I I just knew that uh, you were ready to take on the responsibility for me to pass something on that had been gifted to me from my father. OK, so by now it's getting pretty late, right? I mean, we've had a full day. Uh, it's pretty dark out. We probably have to stoke the fire up again. Um, so there was just one last thing we did that first night. Do you remember what that was?
1: Yeah, the last thing that we did that night was you all gave me letters that you had written before the weekend um you presented me with just a manila envelope full of probably 12 or 15 letters that the men the four men had written to me but also other adults in my life so all of the women in the family my mom my grandmother my aunts had all written letters to me And so had my football coach, my Boy Scout troop master, had all written me letters. And you explained, you know, these letters were kind of advice now that I was becoming a man, how much I meant to these people. Kind of open-ended letters, but they were meant to be held on to. And you said that I could read those letters tonight if I wanted to read them, or I could read them at a later date of my choosing. But they were only meant for me to read. They were not meant to be read out in public. They were for, for my eyes only. So that was the last thing that we did that night was you presented me with a bunch of letters.
0: Yeah, that's a really a pretty significant ritual. And um, there's there's a lot to it. And there's a lot to ramifications of what happens after the weekends with the letters. And we'll be having an episode specifically just on the letters. Let's move on. So. First night, we're pretty much done. Lights go out. Um, you had delegated um, at different shifts in the night which of the men were going to be responsible for keeping that fire going during the night. And I don't remember exactly which guy had which shift, but I do remember that we did make it through the weekend without the fire going out, so did a great job.
1: Maybe that's one thing to clarify, You know, when you explained to me, it's my responsibility to keep the fire going throughout the weekend, you also said that doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be the one to physically put a log on the fire. But part of being a man, again, is uh, being a leader. And so uh, I could also delegate that task of feeding the fire to other men. So um, it, it didn't just fall on my shoulders to keep it lit but I know you guys helped me with it too. Okay. Right. Very good.
0: So lights out, we all sleep, wake up the next morning and kind of get right into it. Right. Um, there was another exercise that we did that involved some ribbons, which doesn't sound too manly, but let's explain that. What exactly was that all about?
1: Yeah. So we did the, the ribbon ceremony, uh, otherwise known as the Character Trait Ceremony, otherwise known as the Stick Ceremony. The Ribbon Ceremony involves uh, sticks that we had collected before we entered the cabin. They were, I don't know, two or three feet long, about an inch in diameter. And all of you older men, grown men, had uh, tied on your sticks six different ribbons. Some were some looked better than others. Uh, some were actual ribbons. Others were just pieces of T-shirt that were torn up and tied to the stick. And you explained to me that each of you had written positive and negative character traits that you see in yourselves uh, on the ribbons. And for this exercise, every man was going to go around in a circle and share what he wrote down. And share why he sees those traits in himself, positive or negative. And then, once everybody has gone, once everybody has shared, I also had a stick, but my stick was totally empty. And it was my responsibility to pick, untie from all of your sticks the character traits that I did want to take from you guys and leave, and then tie those ribbons onto my stick and then leave the character traits that I did not want to take from you guys and leave those on your sticks. So that's what I did after everyone shared. I untied hopefully all of the positive character traits off the sticks and tied them onto mine. And I remember, you know, when, when you were all sharing what you wrote down, I remember really as a 12-year-old boy, my eyes really being opened especially to the negative character traits because i think i looked up to all of you you know my grandfather my dad my uncles and i didn't really see as a 12 year old you don't really think about the negative character traits in the adult men in your life that's just not something that most 12 year old boys think about so when when bobo was sharing you know that he wrote down greedy it was like I don't see that in you. That's I remember thinking, I don't see that in you. But now that you explain it, like, I believe you. So I think that's part of the the purpose of the ritual is to show the boy that, you know, no man is perfect, that we all have our flaws. And I remember that just being an eye-opening experience as a 12-year-old, you know, seeing all of the men in my life talk about not only what they're good at, but some of their struggles too.
0: Right. So, yeah, you did a great job picking the good traits. Um, So that left us with uh, each of us with our respective sticks full of uh, not so good traits. What did we do with those?
1: Well, I'll let you answer that question because (laughs) you were the one that was left with a stick full of negative character traits. So I'll return (laughs) the question to you. What what did you do with those ribbons? All right. So each of the guys,
0: after explaining what we thought – you know three or four things that we saw in ourselves that weren't so positive we took those ribbons and placed them in the fire kind of as a public testimony to our our brothers the band of brothers that we had there this weekend that you know I realize these are my weaknesses I'm giving them up placing them in God's hand putting them in this fire so they, they can be consumed and we as a group of men now know of these things for each other and these are things that we can help each other with we can help with our struggles we can pray for each other and um it was just really um uh, a good exercise not just for you i believe but for if you will the grown men in the group for them to um identify and let go of some of the things that they want to clean up in their lives so that pretty much yeah. ended the ribbon ceremony um so we're getting pretty close to the end of the r- Rite of Passage weekend. Um we're getting ready to exit the cabin, so we're kinda of doing our final cleanup, and then we had kind of one last ritual uh which took place on the deck, kind of out on the way out. Um you remember what that was?
1: Yeah, the last ritual was a final blessing, and I remember we all gathered around in the circle and You all laid your hands on me and read a prayer. The blessing that you read was, Steve, may God bless you with all the desires of the eternal Father and bless the wishes of your soul. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then once all of you had blessed me, you then asked me to turn around and bless all of you individually now that I had achieved this new status of a man in the family. So I turned around and read that same prayer over all of you. And, you know, I think in hindsight, maybe this is just me personally. Um, I think I would have changed that blessing. I guess I'll say, you know, when my son, Joe, he's two years old now, in 11 years when we have his rite of passage weekend, we will still have a, a final blessing, but I think we'll probably do Something from scripture, you know, maybe may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his light shine upon you. Maybe we'll do that one instead.
0: Sure. Well, you know, the weekend's going to look different for every family, for every boy. And the rituals are just kind of a framework to get started and um, suggested that these rituals do occur. But yeah, they're going to be a little bit different for every, every family. So, all right. So that's how the final blessing went. Anything else you'd like to add about that?
1: Well, I would say the thing about the final blessing was you really reiterated the fact that this was the moment that I was becoming a man of the family, that the rite of passage was coming to an end, that this was the final ritual. And that that was the moment that in all of your eyes that I was now to be considered to be a man in this family, just like all of you. And I think. I remember that being a really cool memory of like, you know, the weekend is over. I'm officially a man in this family. And that was a good feeling. That's great. Sometimes, you know, when we explain
0: the weekend to other men that are um, maybe new to this or considering doing this and they're not necessarily comfortable with the whole idea of rituals, um, rituals are really important because They do solidify in the young man's life what happened because, you know, a lot of times you'll have conversations throughout your life that you have no idea or recollection of what they were. But the fact that these were like specific and, you know, ordered, definite rituals, thinking back on the rituals kind of reminds you of what was said. So it is important to follow follow some kind of uh, ritual structure through the weekend. That pretty much wrapped it up for in the cabin. Um, next thing we did was start headed home on our journey. Do you remember anything about that, our journey home?
1: Yeah, we got in the car. Um, we went to Mass in Redding, which is only, I don't know, 20 minutes south of Lake Shasta. So that was basically right after we got in the car, we, we got back out. And then after Mass, drove home, back to the Bay Area. I remember pretty much sleeping the whole way, um, just being tired from the whole weekend. When we got back to the car that we left at the breakfast spot at the Alamo Cafe, I remember you saying, you know, now that we're going to go home, um, we want to keep this rite of passage weekend a surprise for Your younger brothers and your younger cousins. So you can't tell your younger brother and your younger cousins about what went on this weekend. If they ask, just tell them that you did, you went on a weekend trip with your dad, which was true, right? I did go on a weekend trip with my dad. Um, So I, I remember as the weekend finished, you explained that to me that you wanted to keep this a surprise for all of the members of the family.
0: All right, so we're about to wrap up this week's episode, but there's just a couple of things I'd like to uh, ask you before we go. First, how do you think the weekend affected your life afterwards?
1: I think the weekend affected my life in a few ways. The first is that when I was growing up as a teenager, I never really questioned my status as a man. And I don't mean to say like I had... Huge biceps as a kid, or I could grow facial hair like I can now when I was a teenager. But what I meant, what I mean by that is that logically, you know, I looked at you four men in my life. You were the closest four men, male mentors that I had. I never questioned that you were all men. You were all bigger than me, stronger than me. You were all married. You all had kids. There was no doubt in my mind that. All of you were men. And there was also no doubt in my mind that you had taken the time, you had this whole weekend where you told me, okay, now you're a man in the in this family now too. So logically, I just never questioned, like, I'm a man in this family. You know, I, I never questioned when when do I become a man? Am I a boy? Am I a man? What am I? Really, ever since that final blessing on the deck at the cabin at Lake Shasta, I never questioned my status as a man. And I remember, in fact, being about, you know, 14 or 15 years old, being in Boy Scouts, a bunch of rowdy boys running around in circles. And one of the adults said something like, boys, boys, settle down, to the whole group. And, you know, here I was, a cocky teenager, and I I talked back to the adult, I was like, we're not boys, we're men. And, you know, it wasn't that this person did anything malicious. It was that they just didn't know. In, my, in our family, at 13 years old, you get a rite of passage weekend and you're considered to be a man. So that's what I mean is that I never really questioned my status as a man growing up. Another way that it affected my life is that, you know, one of the things that gets said during this rite of passage weekend By all the men, really, is that now that you're becoming a man in this family, you are part of a tribe of men and you can talk to us about anything. Anything that you're going through, we've probably already been through it before and we have your best interests at heart. We love you unconditionally. We will never judge you, but we will always love you and support you through thick and thin. And I remember. Being a 13 year old during my rite of passage weekend, and kind of just when all of you said that at different moments, I just kind of like shook my head up and down, not really knowing what to do with it. It really wasn't until I got to college where, you know, I was surrounded by people who were raised very differently than me, had different beliefs in me, and it really challenged me. You know, I I started to question the way that I was raised in my own beliefs. And I started to question my belief in God. And I remember, you know, being 21 years old and being nervous to tell you, you know, I'm not sure if I believe in God anymore, because I didn't want to disappoint you. But I also remember in the back of my mind, I had this memory from all the men in my life who said, we love you unconditionally. You can talk to us about anything. We have your best interest at heart. And that really gave me the confidence to go back to you and to Bobo and to mom and to just kind of tell all of you, you know, like I'm, I'm not sure what I believe anymore. I'm having a lot of questions. And why do you believe in God? You know, I think that was a moment where I was like, Really questioning things for the first time for myself, I was um, becoming more of an adult, living on my own in college, so you know hindsight is twenty twenty, but there's a good chance that without this rite of passage weekend, without the confidence that it gave me to talk to you and to Bobo about things like faith, I'm not sure that I would be a practicing Catholic today. So that was that's another way that it affected my life is that it has it really affected my faith journey. And then the last thing I'll say about the weekend is that I still have this binder full of letters here in my office and those letters as I've gotten older have come to mean more and more to me. You know, two of the letters were written by grandparents who are no longer with us. So, you know, I I can't just call them up on the phone and talk to them anymore, but I can read their letters. So I would say that's the last, maybe third way that the rite of passage has affected my life is that I have this, uh, really this treasure of a binder full of letters that were written to me by some of the most important um, mentors in my life. Well, listen, now that you're a dad and all.
0: Granted, you're a dad of younger kids, so it's a little down the road before you would do this. What would you say to a dad who's kind of on the fence as to whether or not to do a rite of passage for their adolescent?
1: I would say, if you're a dad listening to this and you're on the fence of whether you should hold a rite of passage for your son or not, I would I would encourage you and say that you should do it. Um, It doesn't have to look exactly like my rite of passage or our family's rite of passage. Um, But it is very important that you, as a father, affirm your son's identity as a man and tell him in one way or another, I no longer consider you to be a boy, but I consider you to be a man now. And when you do that as a dad, then your son doesn't feel the need to try to prove his manhood. To himself or to his peers, because his dad has already affirmed his manhood. His dad has already beaten him to the punch.
0: All right. Very good advice. Probably not just a good idea, but I would say essential, especially today in raising uh, children, raising young, virtuous men. So thank you, Stephen. Thanks for the interview. Um, That was very insightful. I'd like to invite our listeners to please leave a review for our podcast and share it with another dad if you think they might be the kind of dad who would hold a rite of passage for his son. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.